Our sermon today is from Luke 1. <laughs> Our sermon today is from Luke 4. This is 1 through 13. And so if you please rise out of honor of God's word. Luke 4. Verses 1 through 13. Although the text is right, that's the most important thing. And, yep. (laughs) And I read in Jesus' name. Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended... He was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it shall be delivered to me. And I will, for it has been, sorry, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord, to put your word into our hearts and to change us through your word, through your working. Father, for the glory of your name that we might become more like Jesus. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so as I was uh, preparing for this sermon today, I was kind of cataloging through my head all of the sermons that I've heard on these temptations. And you know, it's quite a few. And one of the things that struck me was the amount of different interpretations as to what exactly all of these temptations mean. And since I wasn't able to pin it down into nice categories, I decided, well, actually, I don't know if I decided or it just hit me. Um, maybe I should just preach on how these temptations speak to me instead of trying to give an authoritative Like, this is the final word on all the temptations of Jesus. And so, as we come to this, this isn't the final word on the temptations of Jesus. Because there's more applications and there's more illustrations. And these are actually bigger and deeper than I could ever get into in any one sermon. And so, I'm just going to take all three of them and I'm going to talk to you guys about how I'm tempted in these manners. And so what, what these look like in my life, hopefully as you see what they look like in my life, that'll be applicable at least to some degree in yours. Um, so first off, Jesus was tempted to turn the stone into bread. And after the temptation, after each of these three temptations, what does Jesus do? He quotes scripture. Why does Jesus quote scripture? 
Is Scripture some magic talisman that if you quote Scripture, Satan goes, ah, I can't handle Scripture, I'm going to run away. Is, is that what it is? No, that's, that's not, people take Scripture that way. You know, it's not just some, it's not some magic talisman, of, you know, and so I have to make sure that I'm wearing a, a t-shirt with scripture on it so that Satan can't come at me. I have to have it on my back so he doesn't get me from the back too, and you know, maybe I should have scripture tattooed all over the place. No, that, that's not how this works. Scripture, what does scripture do for us? It, it reminds us. It, it reinforces for me. It's for me. And so, why can Jesus stand against the temptation of Satan? Because he knows what God's will actually is. No, this is, this is what Scripture says. But in order for Scripture to, to be that, it actually has to be authoritative for you. Is Scripture your authority? Is Scripture what you rely on? Is the Word of God what you fall back on? Well, I know God says this, but, okay, Scripture's not your authority. Well, but, you know, it's 2021. Fine. Scripture's not your authority. If you're making excuses as to why you don't need to obey Scripture, Scripture's not your authority. And so what are you relying on then? Your culture? Relying on your heritage? You're relying on your traditions? What are you relying on? It's not Scripture. I tell you what, Jesus relied on Scripture. No, this is what God says. Why doesn't he give in to Satan? Because Scripture is reinforcing Jesus. It's giving him something to stand on. This is what's solid. This is what's real. Satan say, no, just do this. No, but this is what God says. But I want to do that. No, this is what God says. And if God says it, it's probably reliable. It is reliable in an absolute sense. And so Scripture is not just some talisman. You just throw it out there. I'm going to quote that Bible verse and Satan's going to run away. No, it's for us. We stand against it. We stand against Satan on Scripture, relying on the Word of God. And so Jesus was being tempted. If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So, as I was praying through this, like, okay, Lord, what does this look like in my life? You know that, you know that power that you have? You know that authority? You're a father. You're a husband. You're a pastor. As, as a father, as a husband, and as a pastor, I have some authority. At least my children give me some authority, and Kirsten's gracious enough to give me authority. I still don't know exactly what happens here as pastor. But uh, <laughs> the Word of God gives me authority there. You guys don't listen to me. At least I have the Word of God. Um, can I misuse that? Can I use that for my ends? Like, can I use my authority as, as father and as big, bad, scary dad sometimes? Yeah. That's, can I use that to get my way instead of being a good dad? As pastor, could I manipulate the people of Hosanna in order to get my way? 
That's, those are temptations that pastors face. As a husband, can I use my authority as a husband to put down my wife, to get my way in the relationship, to, to have things the way that I want them? Because my wife loves me and my wife seeks to be a good wife and seeks to be a godly wife and seeks to be submissive and I don't always make that possible or easy for her. Very godly wife, thankfully. Can I misuse that? That's what Satan's tempting Jesus to here. He's saying, hey, you've got this power. Use it to satisfy yourself, man. Use it to make yourself happy. Use it to remove this pain, this, this turmoil. Use it to remove that. Use it to make your life easier. You've got this power. So what's the temptation there? What does that temptation look like in my life? Joe, are you going to misuse this power that you have? This authority that you have? This position that you have? Are you going to use those for yourself? Or are you going to use those for what God's actually called you to, to use those for? Man does not live by bread alone. My misuse of those things, that's not going to satisfy me. Solomon says in the book of Proverbs that stolen bread turns, or stolen water turns to gravel in the mouth. I think that's the phrase. Stolen water is sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. So if I misuse that which God has given me, does it satisfy? No. It's going to leave me empty, thirsty, wanting. And then also, premature. How, how many of you have ever, ever fasted? Any of you? I was, I was fasting this last week and it actually just became really poignant to me. And my fast was going to end at noon. I'm not going to talk about how long it was. But my fast was going to end at noon. You know, it started at 10. <laughs> Remember, I've got the mic. Watch it, Jim. <laughs> That's true. Um, you know what was the greatest hour of temptation? 11 o'clock. Why? It's like, aren't I gone through all of this fast? Why am I struggling so much? At 11 o'clock. It's like it's supposed to end at noon. Then I could start making supper, making dinner, not supper. It's supposed to end then. But at 11 o'clock, it's like, just have something. Just have something. Just start something. It'll be fine. No problem. To be premature in this, to not, to not fulfill my vows, to not trust that God is actually speaking, that God is working. As I promised God, God, I'm going to be done at noon. I'm going to trust God to provide for me, to provide for me for that next hour. I know you'll actually be able to, you didn't, you're not going to die. Obviously, I'm not going to die if I fast for another hour. It's not going to kill me. Do I trust God to provide? To get me through? Man shall not live by bread alone. It's not by these earthly things. These earthly things aren't the things that sustain us. We use food to sustain us. God uses food to sustain us. But who is it that's actually doing it? It's God. There are well-fed people that die. It's not food that sustains us. God uses food to sustain us. But it's not food. It's God. Man doesn't live by bread. Man doesn't live by wealth. Man doesn't live by position, opportunity. Man doesn't live by those things. We live by the word of God. It's God who gives us these things. It's God who sustains us. It's God who provides for us. 
And so when I say, God, I can't fulfill that vow because I got another hour that I can't eat. No. Who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in food? Good grief. How silly. Trust in God. You made a vow. God says when you make a vow, take it seriously. Hold fast. God has no pleasure in fools, we're told in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you make a vow, you fulfill it. Oftentimes, my temptation for that, end it prematurely. You don't really have to go through it. But you know, that's a temptation. Because that's me trusting in these earthly things to satisfy myself. Whether that be my position of power or whether that be my ability to end things early. I'm not trusting in God. That's the temptation, to not trust God. Secondly, worship. Oof. The devil took him and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Okay, first off, that'd be really cool. (laughs) I would like to see that. Not have Satan show me, though. That that would be creepy. Um, And said to him, To you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Think about this. Did God promise Jesus all the kingdoms? He did. Book of Psalms. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage. Your inheritance. They'll be yours. I will give them to you. God says that. Ask of me. That's one one of the reasons why our... um, College prayer meeting was called Ask the Nations because we asked on Christ's behalf for the nations that God would send missionaries out into this kingdom. But, you know, what's this temptation? Take the easy way. Do you know what Jesus had to go through in order to inherit the nations? He had to deal with humanity. That's not easy. I'm human, and I know. <laughs> I have to deal with me. Christ is perfect. He had to deal with humanity. He had to train them up for three years. He had to go and die on the cross. He had to suffer the anguish of death and hell. Jesus had to endure that. And here Satan is saying, all you got to do is worship me, man. Just worship me. Take the easy way out. This will be easier. That's the temptation. That's the temptation that I face. Take the easy way out. You know, cut some corners. It's not really that big of a deal. Just, you know, fudge a little bit here or fudge a little bit there. It's not that big of a deal. Take the easy way out. Don't tell the truth. It, it'll be easier if you don't. Just, just remain silent. It'll be easier if you remain silent. What is that? Who are we worshiping? Are we worshiping God? Because what does it mean to worship God? It means to put him first. It means that he's our authority. He's our God. He's the one that we imitate. He's the one that we look like. He's, he's the one that we order our lives after because that's what true worship is. 
He's the one that we bow to. Does God say, take the easy way? That's my way. No. God says, do it my way. Is sometimes God's way the easier way? I'll tell you what, in the long run, it always is. Because Satan, sin always ends up bad. Always. You can never say, you know what, I'm just going to sin right now because in the long run, that'll be good. Like, no. You sin right now, in the long run, that's bad. Sin is always the hard way in the long run. But often it looks like the easy way in the short run. Walk in integrity. Don't take the easy way. But you know what? Sometimes it's simpler. To just do things Satan's way. One of, when I first became a pastor, we used to get all sorts of mailings. Funny that they're not coming anymore. Uh, maybe that's what happens when I ignore them. Um, it didn't work at my house, so I still get mailings there. But one of the things that we constantly were getting mailings about was church growth opportunities. You want your church to grow? Come, pay, pay, come to this conference. It's only $1,000. It's two days. Um, and we'll teach you how to double your church attendance. We'll teach you how to triple your church attendance. And then there's this you know, pastor there, and he's giving this testimony about, well, we live in such and such suburb, and that suburb's had, you know, and, and our church in such and such suburb has grown 500% in the last five years. And so then me being kind of a, a little bit of a dork, would uh, go and research that suburb, you know, and, and that church. And, oh, it turns out that that suburb actually, you know, it expanded wildly in the last five years and the church's growth wasn't as high as the suburb's growth. Um, so, like, there's all sorts of extra things going on here. But what's the temptation? Well, just do this. Do this. Take the simple way out. The simple way is the easy way. Because one of the things is I came here as pastor, one of my goals wasn't to make Hosanna big. That we would be deep. You know that, so back when I was in high school, or not when I was in high school, when I was in college, um, Jesus tells us to pray something in Matthew 9. Do you know what it is? A harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers into his harvest field. And, I, and so I've been praying that since college. Because, you know, does God say, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the churches are few. Therefore, ask the Lord to build your churches. No, it's laborers. What does the kingdom of God need? It's laborers. You know what's hard? It's discipling people. Right? You guys ever tried it? I'm not a very good disciple, <laughs> let alone discipler. You know, that's what Jesus had to go through. In order to get to this point, he had to train up Peter and John and James. You know, John and James, they wanted to kill people. I've got friends like that too. <laughs> no, you thankfully, Linda, no, you're not one of them. Discipleship's hard. Jesus would have had to go through all of that, all of those three years of ministry, dealing with the garbage that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, you know, King Herod were throwing at him. He had, Jesus had to deal with all of that. This would just be simpler. Just worship me. Just do this one simple thing. <laughs> all of your belly fat will, full, or will melt away. Or, and your church will grow by 500% or, or whatever. Just do this one simple stock. <laughs> 
Yeah, Jesus only had to do three years. I've been here for 11. Um, I'm obviously slower than Jesus. <laughs> but it's simpler. But you know, the question ends up being, well, what was his purpose? Was, did Jesus come into this world simply to inherit all the nations? No. That wasn't Jesus' purpose. And so Satan got that wrong. Satan's trying to twist the purpose. The purpose isn't just the external trappings, because that's all that Satan's offering. Satan's just offering the external stuff. He's saying, well, you'll get the nations, but you're not going to glorify God. You're not going to save any of these people, but you'll get the nations. You're not going to change their lives, but you'll get the nations. You'll be put in charge. You'll have the authority. Did Jesus come to this earth just to be put in charge? Like, who would want that? You're like President of the United States. Who would want that job? Not going to make any jokes. But, really. So Satan twisted the purpose. Trying to get Jesus to look at the external. I can offer you the external. But could Satan offer Jesus the salvation of humanity? No. Could Satan offer Jesus for the joy set before him? He endured the cross, despising its shame. Could Satan offer him joy? No. So Satan twisted the purpose and offered him a superficial purpose instead of the deep lasting purpose. Satan twisted it. And he does that in our lives too. And he says, just do things my way. If you do things my way, this will be easier. This will be better. This will be quicker. Just do things my way. God says, but it's not going to work. It won't work. It won't satisfy. It won't help. It might look easier. End up being hollow. So those are the temptations that I face with these things. Just do the simple thing. Oh, that's, not, that's not what God wants. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. This isn't about Jesus. This is about God. Thirdly, And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, have you guys ever been tempted? Things like this? Who's in control of the timing? Because that's what Satan's tempting Jesus. He's going to test God with the timing. God, will you fulfill your promises according to my timeline? Are you going to do it in in the time that I want it? Because I'm going to throw myself down from here and you need to catch me now. (laughs) This is my timing. I want to be in control of the timing. Because often in my life, God works in two ways. One, he works way slower than I want. Or two, he works way faster than I want. <laughs> it's, I don't know why. <laughs> Sometimes it's like the avalanche is coming. Lord, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> Other times it's like molasses in January. Come on, God, hurry up. You know like those old Heinz commercials where they'd set the bottle on top of the... Um, uh, yeah, that was a good commercial, wasn't it? I still remember that. They put the bottle on top of the 
um, building, and then the guy would run down, and he'd have his hot dog or his French fries, and it would drip down by the time he got to the bottom because that, I don't know what that illustrated. <laughs> it was so thick. Why is thick ketchup good? I'm ignorant. I'm sorry. I don't understand that. Maybe at some point there was runny ketchup and that was a bad thing. And now everyone looks like Heinz. But it's timing. I, I want God to work according to my timing. I want God to be slow and I want things to be slow. And I want God to be fast when I want things to be fast. And so I want God to do it my way. To prove himself to me. God ever, are you guys ever tempted by that? Does God ever not work according to your timing? God, I've prayed. I've prayed and it's not happening yet. What is that? That's this. God, why is this coming so fast? Please wait. What's happening? It's this. Don't worry. God will do things according to your will. Um, no. Because God actually knows better, Right? Timing. Can I control God's timing? Nope. We surrender that. Lord, in your time, because at the proper time, Christ died for the ungodly. God actually knows the proper time. For everything, there is a time and a season. God actually knows the best time. Place. Can I make God show up? Can I make God show up right here, right now? Can I make God appear? Can I make God prove himself? Can I, can I make God prove that I'm his child? Prove that he hears me? Can I make God do what I want in the place that I want? Because, you know, why, why up on the temple? Why up on the pinnacle? It was, it was blatant. It was obvious. Everyone would have seen it. The temple is full of people. You know, can Jesus, can I make God have a spectacle? Well, we don't have control over that. Because that's putting God to the test. Saying, God, are you going to obey me? Are you going to do things my way? In my timing? In the place of my choosing? Who's in control? So, um, did did any of you ever test your teachers when you were in school? Jim, do you ever get tested by your students? Never, never. Um, how do teachers respond to students testing them? They love it. They love it. <laughs> yeah, you're homeschooled, so I can't make fun of your teacher. Because um, <laughs> she's cooking my food. Um, <laughs> Teachers don't like to be tested. My teachers didn't like it when I tested them. Why? Because they were supposed to be the ones in authority. The one that tests is the one who's in authority. And that was me trying to take authority over my teachers. Because I wasn't an easy student. I can promise you that. <laughs> I have apologized to some of my teachers, by the way. Um, they said, don't worry about it. Or that they didn't remember it. So. But we're not the ones in authority. God is. We don't have the right to demand of God that he would show himself. God is in authority. And as Jesus stood against the tests, as Jesus withstood the trials, Satan just washed his hands of it and gave up. Right? 
This is the last and most terrifying verse in this passage. When the devil had ended every temptation, impressive, I haven't defeated every temptation. I don't know if I've defeated hardly any. He departed from him until an opportune time. When will you be attacked? So when you're feeling strong, hanging out with your Christian friends, they're encouraging you, you know, they're giving you God's word, they're teaching you. Nope. It's going to be in the dark. It's going to be where you're, when you're alone. It's going to be when things are quiet. It's going to be when you're sad. When Satan's going to come in. It's going to be when you've had a bad day. It's going to be an opportune time. Inopportune for us. Opportune for him. Yep. It's when you only have one hour left in your fast. You're getting hungry. Not 40 days. It wasn't 40 days. Um, yeah. So when, when does Satan attack? When things are easy? No. Just because Satan's attacking, what does that mean? Does that mean you're a horrible person because you're dealing with temptation again? Does that mean that you are somehow some subpar, suboptimal Christian that somehow, somewhere along the line, you have failed because you're dealing with this temptation again? What does it mean? You know, if I had defeated this last time, or I've defeated this temptation, why am I dealing with this again? Obviously, I am a failure. No. You know what that means? This is an opportune time for Satan. He's tempting you. What does that mean about you? Nothing. What does that say about him? Everything. And so, it isn't for us to sit and rag on ourselves. For us to doubt ourselves. For us to doubt Christ. Does it mean that God has left you? Obviously, if God was with me, I wouldn't be dealing with this temptation again. Maybe you guys have never thought those thoughts. They've all gone through my head. Does it mean that? No. It means that this is an opportune time. That's it. And so what do we do? An opportune time for Satan. So then what do we do? Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. So what posture do you make towards Satan? I'm not going to listen to you, man. I'm going to draw near to God. Only when you feel like it? Nope. Every time you feel tempted, draw near to God. When you're tempted to not draw near to God, draw near to God. Because that's temptation. Opportune time, inopportune time. What do you think Paul told Timothy? You know, in season and out of season, be ready. Because that's when we need to be ready. Those are God's times. When we feel like it and when we don't. Any questions? You're going to be tempted. But the only way to stand against the temptation, finally and ultimately, is to have the Word of God be your authority. To trust God. Trust God. He will bring you through. He is bigger. He is greater. He is wiser. And Satan hates you. God loves you. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to trust? Amen.
Let us pray. Father, thank you. I thank you. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit to apply it into our lives. I didn't touch on that. Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us that we might be able to stand on your word. Lord, not that we would stand on our own strength, but that we would stand trusting you. Lord, that we would stand against these lies, that we would give in to them. Lord, we thank you. And where we've failed, forgive us. May we walk again with you. Thank you, Father. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.